listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, It's going to be a great day. Um, We're going to continue with the part four of this series, uh, Unstoppable. 21 laws that govern extraordinary success. And um, as you guys know, we've been talking about the fact that um, success is never accidental, ever. Um, it's always on purpose. It's always planned. It always has principles that govern it. That's why we're talking about them. Specifically, principles that um, are from God's Word. It's always funny to me. I've said this before this week. You go look at business books and Barnes & Noble or whatever. A lot of times, the principles you'll find in the books are actually biblical principles that unbelievers are using, even in business, that they find to be uh, principles that work. And um, again, let me, be, uh, let me be the first to say once again that as you become more successful, and you will, and you will, as you are faithful to God, as you're faithful to his word, as you're faithful to these principles from his word, um, what you will find is that there will be people that will try to shame you for being blessed, for being successful. And uh, they may try to make light of it. They may try to mock you. Don't ever allow anybody. I've been reinforcing this every day because I know it happens. Don't ever allow anybody to make you feel bad for what God's done in your life. Don't ever let anybody make you feel bad about how far you've gone because of your faithfulness in your dedication. You know, here's the thing. It's that once you realize and understand that God's not just randomly picking and choosing people. Um, And you understand that God is responding to those who are faithful, diligent, those that are loyal to his word. Once you get that, then you don't feel bad. You should never feel bad. And when people start to treat treat you that way, it's like you have this realization, like you you could do the same thing that I'm doing uh, and be successful as well if you were faithful to the word of God. Of course, we don't use that to beat people over the head, but that's something that'll help you never feel uh, bad about where God's taken you. You know, uh, a very important verse to always keep in your spirit is uh, Psalm 75. That's why I quote it so often, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south, but promotion comes from the Lord, and he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. So how does God determine those things? Not randomly once again, but as I quoted yesterday, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking for people whose hearts are loyal to him and on whose behalf he will show himself strong and mighty. It's echoed in the New Testament, John 14, 21. Jesus said, those who have my commands and obey them or keep them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. So it's not rocket science. It's God has given commands. We obey the commands. God blesses us for obeying the commands. God gives commands. We obey the commands. He blesses us for keeping his commands. Uh, The other thing that I'll tell you is really interesting. It's like God said to Israel, you know, in Deuteronomy 28, he said, uh, if uh, you'll obey all the commands or keep all the commands that I give you this day, then... I will set you on high above all of the nations of the earth. Listen to the wording. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. So notice that. Um, Obeying all commands, set above all nations. Some commands, some nations. No commands, no nations. Your level of obedience, and this would be a great thing to start with in the comments, in the chat. My level of obedience determines 
my level of success. My level of obedience determines my level of success. Put it in your notes, put it in the comments, never forget it. My level of obedience determines my level of success. There's no question about that. So what have we been doing? We've been going through these principles from the word of God to show you a commonality between those who have seen success already in the past. These are things that can be seen in the lives of those that see extraordinary success. And uh, as I've been teaching, some of these principles are universal. You know, it's like seed time and harvest is not a, just a Christian principle. It's a universal principle. I said it yesterday. You know, it's like atheist farmers get harvests. Buddhist farmers get harvests. Hindu farmers get harvests. It's a universal principle. It's not, a, it's not just a Christian principle. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. And so seed time and harvest are real. They are real. And so some of these principles are universal uh, in that they function regardless if people are serving the Lord or not. I mentioned the fact that I heard Russell Simmons talk about how he and his wife, and I believe they're Buddhist, someone said yesterday, how he and his wife had made up their minds to be givers throughout their whole life. They made up their minds, we're going to be generous to others around us. And they felt like, in the interview that I saw, they felt that like that was a major factor in them becoming successful and staying successful. And so there are universal principles. Today, uh, I want to give you more of these, and then tomorrow we're going to finish this series up. But uh, we've already gone through 15 of these principles, and let me give you more today. Number 16 is where we're going to start this morning. Um, extraordinarily successful people, those that are unstoppable, put this in your notes, they are not attached to things. They are not attached to things. Yes, the final seven, I believe that is his brother. I believe it is. Number 16, they are not attached to things. And I'm going to break this down because it's, it's more than you think. And um, I'll, I'll deal with the first part, which we kind of talked about a little bit yesterday when we were in generosity, but one side of this could be that you don't have a love of money. Now, of course, we know the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so, of course, we're never going to love money, love things, love possessions. Um, let's start by looking at Matthew chapter 19, and we'll start with verse 16. Matthew 19 and verse 16. The Bible says, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder or commit adultery. You shall not steal, bear false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I've kept. What do I still lack? He said, if you'd be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And the young man heard this and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? And he said, with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Notice this here. Uh, one of the things that uh, Jesus is pointing out is that it's hard. It's not impossible. It's hard for rich people to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Um, notice, and I've, I've, I've noted this, not noticed, but noted it because over the years, because one of the things you'll find out Notice Jesus said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. One of the things that you'll notice is those that are 
in need, those that are desperate, they actually will receive the gospel more readily than those who have everything they need. Now, it's not that the Holy Spirit doesn't do his work in someone's heart. It's just that many times people put their trust in riches. They put their trust in possessions. And I've seen it over uh, 20 years of ministry, 40 years of uh, observing uh, evangelistic ministry, is that people that have everything don't feel like they need any help. Well, I don't need anything you've got. I've got all I need. And that can become the position of people's hearts. And that's why Jesus is making this point is that there are people who put their trust in riches and then they depend in themselves rather than on God or recognize their need for God. And many times when people need help, they're desperate, maybe they're in poverty, maybe they need physical help, maybe they need family help, they are open for change. Whatever I got to do, I need this to be fixed. They're open. Sometimes those people are far more open than those who have everything handled. And that's why Jesus said it's very hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Going on further though, because I'm not specifically talking about a love of money. I'll tell you something funny is, uh, my grandfather who loved, you know, uh, he really enjoyed watches like jewelry. He was like that. And he had some really nice things. And there were other ministers that would notice it all the time. And I can remember on multiple occasions that, uh, the, um, other ministers or preachers come up to him, they'd see maybe a watch he had on or maybe a ring or something, a chain or a pendant. And they'd say, <laughs> they'd say, brother Shuttlesworth, I really like, I really like that watch. And he'd always say, he'd respond with this. Everything I have is for sale. <laughs> he'd say that all the time. And I always thought that was funny. It always made me laugh. He'd they'd say, I like that ring. Brother Shuttlesworth would say, everything I have is for sale. And the whole point there is I'm not romantic about the things that I have. You know, people that are extraordinarily successful, people that are unstoppable, they don't get tied up in a thing. Did you ever think about this? What if God put you in a thing or gave you a thing in order to bless you to another level? But if you get so caught up in having the thing that the the way that God put it in your hand to bless you, take you to another level... He can never do that because you can never release it because you're so romantic about having the thing, about having the thing. You know, so I was, I was talking to somebody yesterday. We were, uh, we were having a conversation about uh, flipping, flipping watches. And this is a, a businessman that I know. And uh, he was talking to me. He was like, yeah, actually, I was talking to two different uh, businessmen yesterday about this. And one of them said, yeah, he said, this, it's amazing what's going on right now. We were talking about the, the watch market. And he said, man. He said, I went in and I picked up this watch. He said, I, I bought it for like, I think he traded something in and bought, it was like $25,000 watch. He said, man, I bought that. He said, I liked it. He said, I really liked it. He said, it was a beautiful watch. I was wearing it for a while. He said, but then somebody offered me $35,000 for it. He said, I sold it immediately. He said, I, I don't care how much I like the watch. He said, it's, it's not going to stop me from, if somebody's going to offer me something like that, I'm selling it. He said, there's other, there's other things to be had. Another guy I was talking about, very successful businessman. He said, man, I bought this watch. I, I, I think I bought it for $45,000. He said, somebody offered me $56,000 for it. He said, I sold it immediately. And this, this is what happens to people. They get blessed with something. You know, what if you moved into a house? God miraculously moved you into a house. You'd been renting your whole life. Um, you know, all of that. And, uh, and you, you finally got a house. God moved you into one. You thought, man, this is going to be my family house. And all of a sudden, you know, the market spikes and, and your house doubles in value and you've got an opportunity to, to sell that. Well, are you going to be the, per- you know, who knows? What if God puts you in that house to double your money? What if God puts you in that position to supernaturally bless you? And then you have an opportunity to be blessed. Do people get romantic about things? Yes, they do. People get nostalgic about things. Yes, they do. And what does it do? It actually keeps them from being able to be blessed with what God's placed in their hand. Very, very interesting. Because this happens often, actually. This will happen often. And people will miss their opportunity to be blessed because they get 
so tied into or attached to things. I don't care if it's, you know, jewelry or a, a car, a house, a business, whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. Jessica said, literally what uh, Jared and I are doing now, had no idea God was going to uh, move us this way. Yes, exactly. And that's, that's right, Aaron. It, it's an emotional attachment. You can build an emotional attachment to things and what ends up happening is God wants to use it to bless you, but you can't seem to let go of it. You can't seem to release it because you like the thing so much. And it's not that necessarily that things are, are, are uh, running, but that's the danger of the, the road that you're on is that it can turn into a love for the thing over God. Um, I'll tell you, that's one of the areas I've shared with you before, because like my grandfather, I've always been someone who has uh, really liked watches and people always make fun of me when I, when I tell the story or if I tell it, you know, how every time somebody would tell me that they liked the watch I had on, God would say, take it off and give it to them. So every time some, I tell that somebody comes up to me at the end of a service and says, I like the watch you have on. <laughs> but <laughs> the, uh, the thing that God was taking me through was though I really liked watches, God was ingraining it into my heart. Never let something come into your hand that you don't have the ability to release or to give away at any given moment, whether it's to sell it for something else that God wants to bless you with, whether it's to sow it, sell it or sow it. And, and here's the thing. Those two areas are what, where I'm dealing today uh, on this point, not attached to things. Why? Because what if God put it in your hand to actually make you money and take you to the next level? Right? Um, or what if you come to a place where God asks you to sow a thing, but you've liked it so much and for so long, it's like, I can't seem to release that. I can't seem to release that. Um, and God has continually done that, done that to me uh, in that area of watches, like I've told you before. Then when I was young, it started with very uh, inexpensive watches. You know, when I was like in my teens, early 20s, it might, it might have been a fossil. It might have been, you know, whatever, something like that. An Invicta. It, it, it might have been something along those lines. But then the Lord was showing me, teaching me, giving, 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 giving. And I can remember as, as I kept getting more blessed, um, I got to the place even with, um, you know, more expensive watch brands. The Lord would keep saying, give it, give it, give it. And it was crazy because the Lord still shows you those principles. And, and that's the thing. You got to get that way. No, no matter even if somebody that you love gave it to you, somebody that means a lot gave it to you, if the Lord speaks to you, put, get this in your spirit. If the Lord speaks to you, there is no nostalgia that should overrule an instruction from the Lord. Please put that in the comments because I'm telling you, this will help people. I've seen it harm people because they don't understand this. No amount of nostalgia should overrule an instruction from the Lord. No amount of nostalgia should overrule an instruction from the Lord, ever. Ever. You know, I remember one time I was sitting in a service at Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's and the Lord spoke to me. And said, uh, the watch that you have on, I want you to give it to a certain evangelist that was there. And uh, it was a beautiful watch that I liked a lot, a, a real lot. It was a limited edition, special edition. And my wife had purchased it for me as a gift. And so, you know, that's one of those areas where it's beautiful. It's a limited edition. It's a special edition. And it's a gift from your wife. And I'm sitting there thinking about that. Now, the question you have to ask yourself in those situations is this, are you going to allow any amount of nostalgia or emotional connection to cause you to disobey an instruction from the Lord? That's where I'm talking about today. You can't have an attachment to things that would keep you from selling it or sowing it. If the Lord wants you to do that, if he's trying to bless you. And so am I going to let any amount of nostalgic, uh, uh, value or emotional connection, keep me from sowing or selling what God said. And the Lord spoke to me. I knew clearly in my spirit, you're supposed to give that watch to this evangelist. 
Well, I didn't delay. I, saw, I told the Lord, yes, it is done. Actually, I didn't have it on that night. I had it back in another place. And I said, as soon as I get back to that, I am giving it directly to that evangelist. That night, listen to how quickly God will bless you on these things. That night, uh, Dr. Rodney had asked me to come up into his office and he gave me this weird look, which it was totally, totally different. He looked at me and just, he, he asked. And I thought this was so wild because he asked me this without knowing anything. I hadn't even given the watch yet. I just told the Lord I would. And he looked at me with, a, with an odd look in his eye. Said, he said, what watches do you have? I thought, man, he's, I mean, picking that up in the spirit. I mean, moments after, I just came up to his office when the service ended. And the Lord was dealing with me on the front row. And he said, what watches do you have? The Lord was already dealing with him. He walks into a closet in his, in his uh, office and comes back and hands me one. Beautiful watch. And uh, I looked at it. I said, oh, that's a very nice watch, Dr. Rodney. He said, it's yours. I want you to have it. I looked at it. Well, that, wa that watch was worth about three times what the one that I had just promised the Lord that I would give away was worth. I said, Are you, you want, you're going to give that? Yeah. He said, I want to bless you. I want you to have that. And I looked at it. And I thought, man, that is gorgeous. And, and, and recognizing that before I'd even, I'd only promised the Lord. I was getting ready to do it. And the Lord already blessed me back because he knew the state of my heart. Now, could that have happened if I didn't sow my seed? No. If, what, if I would, what if I would have been attached, emotionally attached to that thing? Well, let me tell you, that watch was special to me that Dr. Rodney had, that had given me. Uh, first of all, Dr. Rodney is one of the ministers that I really love a lot and um, appreciate him. He's blessed me. Uh, multiple times, many times throughout my entire ministry. And so I love him a lot. And uh, him giving me that watch meant something to me. And so it was a special watch to me. But over the last uh, few years, the Lord had me doing the same. And uh, I can tell you, because this is the same thing I'll tell you, the, 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 over the last about year and a half, the Lord has had me sewing again in the same way that I was before. And I, someone had given me a beautiful watch and uh, I, gave, I gave that watch. The Lord said, take that watch and give it to this evangelist. So I took that watch, gave it to this evangelist. Then I was out at another place. Somebody had blessed me with a beautiful watch um, that, uh, that are made here in the United States. Gorgeous watch. It was about a $1,000 watch. Someone had put it on my wrist in a revival meeting. Said, the Lord said, give this to you. And the Lord told me, he said, uh, Give this watch to this man. And uh, I took it off. See, I've learned to not delay. I've learned to not delay. And uh, I instantly gave it away. Well, now that's two. That's two watches. But then I got to the place where I was with another evangelist and I had on that watch that Dr. Rodney gave me, that one that he had sewn into my life after me sewing the other limited edition. And I'm looking at that. And the Lord spoke to me and said, give that watch that Dr. Rodney gave you to this evangelist, different evangelist this time. And now I had a choice because it was, it was beautiful, beautiful watch. And it meant a lot to me because Dr. Rodney had given it to me. But here's the question. Am I going to allow nostalgia or an emotional connection or an attachment keep me from sewing? Am I going to let it keep me from sewing or knowing how much the watch is worth? You know, am I going to keep, let that keep me from sewing something into someone else? Well, I'll tell you in just a moment because we're going to fix this buzz that's in the broadcast and I will be right back. Are we back? Yes, we fixed it. All right. So I didn't let it. I didn't let it keep me. I didn't let it delay. <laughs> Justin said, I thought that was my own pan sizzling as I was cooking. Um, I didn't let it. 
I took that watch and immediately sewed it into that evangelist. And now I've got three watches in the ground. Three watches that I've sown as seed. And uh, I don't mind that because I understand, I understand seed time and harvest and I love to sow. I love to sow. And so I'd sown that. Well, we just came back from my father's camp meeting in West Virginia. And uh, when we were standing there, I was getting ready to start the service uh, with praise and worship one night. And uh, somebody walked up to me and said, I, I, had to get, I had to get you before the service. The, this has been burning in my heart. The Lord has been speaking to me and told me, I got to give you this watch. And uh, came up to me and said, Let me, I'll go get it. I have the watch for you. I, it's been in my heart. I have to do it. It's been burning in me to sew it. I said, man, thank you. And they brought me back the watch. And I looked at it. It's a beautiful, it's a Breitling watch. And uh, it's a watch that's probably worth ten dollars to $12,000. I looked down at that thing. And they're like, I don't know why I feel to do it. I said, I know why you feel to do it. I said, I've been sewing watches. I got watches in the ground. I told him the testimony later. I've been sewing watches and getting things out there into the ground. And, and recognizing that what is God trying to do with his children? He never is trying to diminish your life. He's trying to increase your life. When God speaks to you to sow, he's never trying to diminish you. He's never trying to take from you. He's trying to get something to you. The seed always produces a harvest. God is not trying to uh, diminish you. He's trying to increase you. And it blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind. And uh, to see these things happening. Now, what, what happens to people? They get attached to things. They get emotionally attached, whether it be th from nostalgia. This is something I've had for a long time. It's an heirloom, something like that. They get, they get attached because of emotional attachment. This was an anniversary gift that my husband or wife gave to me. They get attached somehow. And then the Lord speaks to them to sow it or speaks to them to sell whatever it might be because the Lord's trying to bless them and they can't do it. So, so watch this. They start to allow emotional attachment to get them to disobey the voice of the Lord. Very dangerous place to be. They allow emotional attachment or nostalgia to get them to disobey an instruction from the Lord. And it's mind-blowing. Um, same thing happened to me at another meeting one time. I was sitting there, was taking a sacrificial offering, and people were given all kinds of things. I mean, people weren't just giving in the offering. People were given shoes and jewelry and putting them on the altar. People were going back home, back to their apartments, and getting keyboards and guitars and amplifiers and, I mean, laptop computers and iPads and just sewing it, just sewing it. And I had another beautiful uh, ring on that my wife had bought me as a gift. And I heard the Lord say, cause I had already sown, you know, I'd sown a seed financially. And then I thought, yeah, I'm good. Cause I already sowed my offering. And the Lord said, I want you to put that ring on the altar. I want you to put that ring on the altar, man. I didn't, I, I had to go back down. I'd already gone forward and sown my seed. But the Lord said, take that ring off. Well, the Lord sometimes will put his finger on something that you have. Remember me telling you the story when I had really gotten into uh, retro Jordans and sneakers and I started really liking sneakers and Jordans. And, and then all of a sudden people started sewing them into me. Well, first of all, God knows the desires of your heart. He knows what you love. He knows what you like and he'll bless you with those things. Well, people started sewing into me, just shoes after shoes after shoes. And I got to the place where I had uh, 14 pairs of beautiful, like new Air Jordans. And um, the Lord spoke to me when I was sitting in a service one time. You've heard the story. He said, what are you going to do with all those shoes in your closet? I mean, he, he was checking me. And it's not because the Lord cares if you have nice things or a lot of things. I mean, you know, how's he going to deal with Abraham, right? And the Lord said, he always checks your heart. He said, what are you going to do? And he, he referenced a scripture from the word. You're going to tear down your barns and build bigger barns? Oh man, that convicted me. And immediately after the service was over, I called my friend here at our home church in Florida. 
I said, I want you to get every young man that you know in the church that wears this size shoe. And I want you to get them. I'm coming back. I was coming back to speak Wednesday night for our pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas. I said, I want you to have all those young men come to the, the back, the green room, whatever. And uh, I'm just going to bring those in and I want them to, to I'm going to sew them. Well, man, I brought, here I come in with all these boxes of shoes for Wednesday night church. And I laid them open in the green room. I said, yeah, guys, look, look around, look what you, see what you like, whatever you like, take it with you, it's yours. And they could be like, well, I can't believe you're giving these away. What, what's, what are you doing? You know, people couldn't understand. Why would you, why would you give these away? Because they also understood I could have sold them. Because the resale value is just as good. I could have sold them all, made money on all those shoes. But the Lord said, sew them. He said, sew them. So I came back, laid the boxes open. I said, uh, take what you like, see what you want, take it home with you. And the Lord will do that from time to time. He'll check you and see, do you love the thing more than my instruction? Do you love the thing, right, more than me? And that's what I'm telling you. People that are unstoppable, people that have uncapped success, they don't have an attachment to things. They don't have an attachment to things. They don't have an emotional attachment. They don't have a nostalgic attachment. If the Lord speaks, they can release it in a moment. That's how God will bless you. That's how God will keep taking you to the next levels. Hallelujah. By the power of his spirit. All right. Number 17. Number 17. People that are unstoppable. People that are unstoppable. They will seek out mentors, correction, and instruction. People that are unstoppable, they will seek out mentors, correction, and instruction. No question. No question. And it's so important, actually. I don't know if I have one up here. No, I don't. But it's so important that I wrote an entire book on that entitled Further Faster. You don't have to get one, Tiff. It's okay. Um, Further Faster is a book that I wrote on impartation. And impartation comes from those that are beyond where you are, above where you are. And people that see extraordinary success are always seeking out mentors, correction, and instruction. The Bible says fools are the ones who hate instruction and correction. Fools. Not smart people, not successful people, fools. Fools hate correction. But let me tell you what you start to realize as a successful person. Correction is just direction. Correction is just direction. And so people that are wise, they value those voices in their life. They value them. They don't take them for granted. They don't ignore them and they don't rebel against them. You know, I have a few, and I do mean a small few because you can have too many voices in your life that are pulling you in different directions. But for the ones that God's placed in my life, one being my father, it's a rare blessing when you can have a natural father that is also your spiritual father. But my father would be one of those voices. My pastor would be one of those voices. You know, you have these voices that if they gave you an instruction, you're going to want to stop and listen to what they have to say. If they give you a correction, you're going to want to submit to that correction. If they give you instruction, that's not something you let go in one ear and out the other. You value the instruction. Why? They've been there, done that. They've gone beyond where you are right now. And it's only fools that hate correction. It's only fools that hate instruction. It's only fools that don't put value in the voice that God's placed in their life. That's it. God's put them in our lives for the purpose of bringing us higher. So very important. Listen to this now, 2 Timothy. And I'm going to start reading with... Um, Verse 3, 2 Timothy 1, 3. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, 
I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Notice this. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Verse 6 and 7, powerful. Listen, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul's talking about impartation. Verse 7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now look at verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. Hmm. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Follow the pattern. Look at that. He's giving him instructions. Don't deviate from my teaching. Don't deviate from my teaching. What, what other things did Paul say to the churches? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate the way I live. One passage he says, I'm sending Timothy to teach you how to live like I live. So what's Paul doing? Paul is imparting to people. He's imparting to people how he lives, what he's received from the Lord, so that they will grow, expand, be blessed, be impactful, be efficient, that's what instruction does for you. That's what correction can do for you. And you start to realize Paul is raising people up in faith to do what they could not previously do. Let me read you a verse uh, that encapsulates this from Paul's letter to Philemon. Listen now. I'm going to start reading Philemon. It's only one chapter, but I'm going to start reading verse 8. And uh, listen, listen to this. Listen to this change that comes through impartation. Paul said in verse 8, Accordingly, though I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Now listen to this. A parenthetical statement in verse 11 that lets you know what took place after he became his spiritual father. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I'd been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. Notice that. Paul said, here's a guy, Onesimus, that was previously useless. He was useless to you. And uh, you know what's crazy? Th th this was a very, um, this is an ironic thing, by the way. This, this whole writing here, very ironic. Because here's a guy who's not living up to his name. Because the, the name Onesimus means useful. And Paul's saying, He's not living up to his name. He was useless to you. And then I became his father while I was in prison. Notice that. I became his father. That's his, he's not his actual father. He's his spiritual father. He's his mentor. He's speaking into his life. He's training him up. He's giving him instructions and most likely correction. And look at the result of Paul being in Onesimus' life. He said formerly he was useless, but now... He's very useful, not just to you, but to me. And I wish I'd rather keep him here, but I'm going to send him back to you. Put this in the comments. I've had you do it before. Impartation will take you from useless to useful. Impartation will take you from useless to useful. Powerful thought. It'll take you from useless to useful. That's what it did for Onesimus. It, 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 pulled, it pulled Timothy to the next level. It, it happened with Elijah and Elisha. It happened with Moses and Joshua. It, it, it's how it works. It's how it works. Impartation takes you from useless to useful by the power of God. And so people that are unstoppable, people that are extraordinarily successful, they listen 
to wise counsel, especially from those God's placed in their life. Especially from those God's placed in their life. They don't ignore it. They take it into account and they weigh it and they use it. That's why God, you know, and here's why. God doesn't want his children to learn by destruction, but by instruction. That's a, that's a, a, a phrase or a term that I coined when I was preparing that message God gave me on further faster. How impartation uh, expedites your, the process of your calling. God does not want his children to learn by destruction, but by instruction. See, that's how the world learns things. Trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Fail, fail, be hurt, be hurt, be hurt. Figure out what not to do, and then do what you should do. God doesn't want you learning like that. He wants a quick, expedited increase in growth in your life. And the quickest way to increase, the quickest way to see success and growth, is to follow instructions from someone who knows the way. If I'm driving somewhere, I don't want to go the wrong way for seven times and then get there three hours late because I had to learn all the ways not to go before I figured out the way to go. I want step-by-step instructions on how to get to a place that I've never been so that I can arrive on time and as quickly as possible. So God doesn't want you to learn by destruction, but by instruction. Hallelujah. He wants you to figure out ahead of time that you can follow these instructions. Well, sometimes there'll be instructions from the word of God written. Sometimes there'll be instructions from the leading of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes they are instructions from holy people that God has placed in your life. And God puts people in your life like he did Paul with Timothy, Paul with Titus, Paul with Philemon, Paul with Onesimus. Paul with the churches, he does that so that you have someone who can speak to you and raise you up, raise you up in faith, raise you up. It doesn't matter what area of life you're in. You might be a business person. You know, one of the people, Marjorie, should be your pastor. I have, I have a, uh, a friend, very successful uh, businessman, but he will go to lunch and sit with these guys that live in his town. They sit around the table almost every day and have lunch. He's like in his 30s, but the men he sits with are in their 70s and 80s. All of them, multi, multi-millionaires. And he, wants, he listens to how they talk. He listens to their advice. He listens uh, you know, to what they have to say regarding business. Why? He's a businessman. He wants to be successful in business more than he is now. And he is successful. But what's he doing? In humility, he's just sitting around the table, listening. What do these guys that have been doing business for 50 years have to say, 60 years have to say about business? How'd they get to the place where they're multi, multi, multi-millionaires? How'd they get to that place? They got to that place and they have the wisdom of being at that place. Now it can be imparted. It can be imparted through knowledge. That's what I'm talking about. Don't try to do everything on your own. God's got people that will help you. And listen, there's already people that have been where you're going and have been successful where you want to be successful. This is why you seek it out. You search it out and you receive with humility that kind of wisdom and that kind of instruction. So important, receive with humility that kind of wisdom, and that kind of instruction. Let me give you number 18. Number 18. This is, this is so big. I was dealing with this recently. Unstoppable people, those that are extraordinarily successful, make decisions based on the Spirit's leading, not ideas by chance or by feelings. Let's talk about this. <laughs> It needs to be talked about. Unstoppable people, they make their decisions based on the Spirit's leading, not on good ideas, by chance, or by their feelings. And I have to deal with this because this is something that happens often, often. Well, I'm sick of doing that, so I'm not going to do that anymore. Did the Lord tell you to switch? Did the Lord tell you to stop? Or is your flesh just fighting back against something? 
well, this seems like a really good idea, so I think I'm going to do it. Are you going to do something because it's a good idea or because the Lord spoke to you to do it? Well, I don't, I really just, you know what? I don't feel, or about this, man, by chance, this thing just happened. Uh, you know, I, it, it just, it seems good. I mean, I, I didn't expect it. It was, and, and it looks like an open door for me. I think I'm just going to run through it. Not every open door is for you. Not every open door is for you. And so, uh, you have to make up your mind. I'm only going to make decisions based upon the spirits leading. The Holy Ghost will lead you. The Holy Ghost will guide you. And listen, something might be a good idea, but it's not a good idea for you. Something might be an open door, but it's not an open door for you. Something might be uh, something that will make you feel good, but it's not the thing God wants you to do. And the key is to find the leading of the Spirit and do only that thing. Only that thing. When I was younger, and I still do this, but I did a podcast episode on this one time where uh, I had just gone around and asked so many older ministers, you know, what would you go back and tell the younger version of yourself? And those that didn't even know each other started giving me the same answers when I'd meet with them. And the majority of them, I'd say nine out of 10 or more, would say this, find out what the Holy Spirit has called you to do and wants you to do and only do that thing. What were they telling me? Stay faithful to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't do something because you're bored with that calling. Don't do something because your feelings, uh, you're sick of this or you're sick of that. Don't do something because, oh, I've got an opportunity to do something else. If it's not in line with your calling, if it's not in line with the Spirit's leading, don't do it. Purpose, once again, purpose gives you parameters. Purpose gives you parameters. And once you know what you're supposed to do, it rules out all the things you're not supposed to do. Purpose gives you parameters. And that's why it's so powerful to understand that we've got to make decisions specifically. Now, here's what gets hard for people's natural mind. There are times when the Lord will lead you to do something that don't make sense or doesn't make sense in the flesh to your natural mind. It doesn't make any sense to you. None at all. But you do it anyway. That's right, Sean. Sean said, I was offered a house, bills paid, and a salary to be a youth pastor at a place, and it was so tempting. But he knew that's not what he was supposed to do. I had that very same thing happen to me. There was actually a church when I was getting out of Bible school. There was a church in Chicago or right outside of Chicago that wanted me to come and be a praise and worship leader there on staff and were offering a good amount of money, like a good amount of money to come and to do that at that church. I knew in my spirit that is not where I'm supposed to be. And it doesn't matter how good the money is. And it doesn't matter how good the benefits are. And it doesn't matter how appealing the place might even be. But let me tell you, if you know that the Holy Spirit's not leading you there, don't do it. Don't do it. And I didn't. Had an opportunity to do that. Did not do it. Did not do it. I'm, I'm thankful for the leading of the Spirit. We came to a, uh, uh, there was a time where when I was in Bible school, um, they were acquiring a new organ player to travel with Brother Hagin while he was still on the road doing uh, the Holy Ghost meetings and things like that. And um, there, it was, there were only two candidates left uh, for this position as the organ player for the Ramah Singers and Band to travel with, with Dad Hagin. And it was my, me and my friend, Tony Jones. And um, we both auditioned. We both went and did our thing. But then we all said this. The, the leader, Ramah Singer, said, we need to pray. We all, we all need to pray. We need to be led by the Spirit. We need to know who the Lord wants in this position. I went back to my place and prayed. Tony prayed. And the Ramah Singers and band, they prayed. And uh, I felt 
awkward about this because what an honor to be able to travel with Brother Hagen. And uh, I went back to my apartment. I was fasting and praying. And I had this knowing in my spirit, like, man, I am not supposed to do this. I am not supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to travel with Brother Hagen. I'm not supposed to go on the road. And I thought, man, that's going to be awkward when I go back there. And if they're like, we felt in our spirit it's supposed to be you that's traveling. And I'm like, actually, I don't feel it. So I'm not going to be coming. <laughs> and and, and it was, I felt to myself that way in the apartment. I was like, man, this is going to be awkward when I go back. And if they say it's supposed to be you, and I'm like, I don't feel that. I feel the opposite of that. The Lord's not leading me to travel with you guys. And I went back, and Tony came back, and the Raymond Singers came back. And uh, we all talked about it. And I was so relieved to hear that when they prayed, they said, and actually this is the, the very thing that they uh, spoke to me. They said, um, we all prayed. And they said, Ted, we feel like that if you took this position, you'd actually be taking a step down. I was surprised to hear them say that. But that, that's what they said. They said, we felt in prayer that if you took this position for what God had spoken to you to do, you'd be taking a step down. Well, I already knew I wasn't supposed to go. So I wasn't disappointed. I was actually very happy <laughs> and relieved that I'd have to be like, I don't, I'm, I don't care if you feel I'm supposed to go. I'm not coming. Um, and, and I thank God for the time I got to spend with Brother Hagin and under his ministry and his teaching. But I also knew in my spirit that the Lord wanted Tony, who actually is a far better keyboard player and a far better organist than I've ever been and still is phenomenal. And he's in California now, still in the ministry, still doing ministry, still teaching Bible school, still preaching, still ministering. And uh, I knew that it was supposed to be him and not me. But notice there are people that they see opportunities. They see stuff. It gets them excited. They're like, man, I'm jumping open door. I'm taking it. And, and one of the things that's dangerous is your flesh, your flesh can get bored in the midst of doing what you're called to do. And I've, this is where I've seen people make a mistake, is that they don't stay fired up about their actual purpose, and they get bored in doing the thing they've been called to do. And so when something new pops up, man, they'll bounce right out and do it. Because it's exciting, and it's new, and it's shiny, and it's different, and the grass is greener instead of doing the thing that the Holy Ghost has called them to do and to stay fired up and passionate about that thing. Why do you think that Paul had to give an instruction to the Galatian church and say, let us not grow weary in well-doing? For in due season, if you faint not, you will reap. Why do you think that had to be an instruction? Because people oftentimes get weary in well-doing. People get weary. They get tired. Their flesh burns out in doing the thing that they are supposed to be doing. You can't allow yourself to get to that place. You can't allow yourself to get to that place. You've got to be led by the Spirit. You make decisions based on the Spirit's leading. It made no sense for me as an evangelist to come to the very tip of Florida when I was already positioned right in the center of the eastern seaboard in Virginia, I could go north, I could go south, and at that time I was driving to all of my meetings, and it was a perfect position for me. I could go south and minister, I could go north and minister, and the Lord said, you are supposed to move to the southern tip of Florida. I mean, where it takes you a full day of driving, and you're still not out of Florida yet. And it made no sense to my natural mind. Me as a traveling evangelist, which you can do from anywhere in the world, why would I want to locate myself to the very tip corner of the nation that's the farthest away from everything else? But the Lord had a purpose in bringing me here. He had a purpose in connecting me here. All the blessings that have fallen are a result of obedience to the Holy Spirit's leading. No question. You've heard the testimony on that multiple times. But it didn't make sense to my natural mind. I'm sitting there thinking, why would I do that? But I knew in my spirit I was supposed to do it. But I sit there and think, why would I do it? And then, let me give you that. Because when the Lord speaks to you, it won't always make sense to your natural mind. It won't always make sense. But you still have to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. I mean, put a hand up in the comments, in the chat. 
if you've ever gotten a word from the Lord that made no sense to your natural mind, made no sense to your natural mind, and you're like, Lord, I don't know why you want me to do this, but I'll do it. Have no idea where this is headed, but I'll do it. I've been there multiple times. Look at people are putting their hands up in the comments. You know you've been there. Makes no sense. You're sitting there wondering, like, why in the world am I getting this instruction, but it makes no sense to my mind. But the Lord is using it for a purpose. He's using it for a purpose. And that's how the Lord will lead you. Because you know what? If everything made sense to you right off the bat, that wouldn't take any faith, would it? That wouldn't take any faith. If everything you were going to do for God, you understood the end from the beginning already, and you knew how it was going to turn out, and you knew why you were doing it, and you know what, it wouldn't take any faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the Lord will give you instructions that will cause you to lean on him. And that's the only, that's the only thing you can do is lean on him and his eternal wisdom. And you're sitting there thinking, Lord, I don't know where this is headed, but I'm going to jump on the train and do what you're asking me to do. And, and, and we'll see. I know the, there's a blessing in it because you're leading me to do it. People who are unstoppable, people that are extraordinarily successful, man, they are people that will quickly obey the Spirit's leading and the Spirit's commands. Let me finish with that today before we pray. The time frame on it. When the Lord speaks to you to do something, Get busy doing it as quickly as you can do it. Get busy doing it as quickly. I didn't wait 10 years to make the move to Florida. When the Lord spoke to me to evangelize, I didn't wait five years to get out and start doing it. I did it. I did it. Anytime the Lord's given me an instruction, I just did it. <laughs> Carolyn, I've had people come to say, you guys are crazy, man. Like the Lord's you to do something like in, in four weeks, you're already in the middle of doing it. Yeah, well, what am I waiting? What would I want to wait for? If the Lord has spoken to us to do something, we need to try to do it as quickly as possible. Quick obedience. The, the quicker you get doing it, the quicker the blessing comes back. The quicker the manifestations happen. And so when the Lord speaks, we want to be quick to obey. I mean, I want you to put that in the comments. I will be quick to obey. I will be quick to obey. That's key. That's key. And let me tell you, one of the biggest things that derails people, they'll wait years and years and years and still have not begun to do the thing the Lord called them to do. Not even started. I've had people come up to me at the altar and say, hey, Brother Ted, pray for me, would you please? I'll say, sure. How can I pray for you? Well, the Lord called me to the ministry about 15, 20 years ago, and I'm just believing he'll open the doors. I'm thinking to myself, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, and you're believing that he's going to open the doors. No, I'm thinking about saying, hey, I'm sure he's called somebody else by now. God doesn't want somebody sitting around waiting 20 years to obey his voice. No, be quick to obey. The quicker we obey, the quicker the blessing comes back, the quicker the manifestations begin to take place. And you trust that when God calls you, he's also going to be the one that protects you, provides for you, strengthens you, equips you. It's all done by God's power. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And that's the key. That's the key. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to finish the series on unstoppable <clears throat> 21 laws that govern extraordinary success. But I want to pray for you today before we, before we close this broadcast, because listen, I feel such an urgency in my spirit that where we're at right now in this year, we're, all, we're getting ready to come up on halfway through the year very soon. I can't believe we're halfway almost through this year. Time's moving quickly, but God's got miracles planned for us. He's got supernatural things that are going to open up for us this year. And you're going to be a part of that. Some of you, it's already happened for you. Things are already taking place. We see the testimonies coming through. We know it's already taking place for many. Some of you are still believing for that to break loose. It's coming. We're standing in faith. And so I want to pray today. I'm asking God uh, that he would do for us like what he did for Paul 
and open up what Paul called doors of opportunity. Doors of opportunity. Paul said, there are many doors of opportunity open unto me, though many oppose me. And there might be those that try to oppose. Even the enemy may try to oppose you, but that doesn't mean you can be stopped. You are unstoppable people. Father, I pray for everyone that's watching and listening today. I'm asking you supernaturally that you would do what you did for Paul. Open to them doors of opportunity. You're the one, Jesus, that holds the key of David in your hand. You open doors that no man can shut. You close doors that no devil can open. And so, Lord, we thank you today that the power of your spirit is flowing through us. You're using us. You've called us. You've set us apart. Now, Lord, we ask you, let this be the most mind-blowing seven months of a year that we have ever seen in the history of our lives. Let doors not only swing open, but let the manifestations of your power and blessing be seen readily, not just by us, but even by those who don't know the Lord. Let it be a testimony of your goodness to your children in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for that. We give you honor. We give you praise. We give you glory in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, before we go today, I'm encouraging you to sow seed into this ministry. Many of you have partnered with us, but there are people that are watching that you're enjoying the ministry, you enjoy the broadcast, you've even been to the live revivals and services. Uh, but I want to encourage you to be a part of what this ministry is doing around the world. Many of you may not know, we're on television every week in over 180 nations of the world. People are being saved, people are being changed by the power of God. We're seeing people discipled, you're a part of it. But if you're not yet partnering with us, connect with this ministry, partner with us. So each month, actually, here's what I want to give you the challenge to do. This is your call to action. I want you to go to miracleword.com. There you'll see there's a partner page, a partner link. It's in the menu. Click that. You can see all that we're doing, but I want to encourage you as the Lord's speaking to you, fill out that form and stand with us beginning today in partnership. Pray for us. Sow seed on a monthly basis. What can you do that the Lord has made available in your life? Can you sow $100 a month, $250 a month, maybe $1,000 a month? Whatever it is that you can do, be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit and be a part of what Jesus is doing around the world in these final moments of time before Christ comes back. It's a wonderful thing to see people's lives being changed. And while you're there on miracleword.com, you can see all of the uh, ways that you can sow seed. Here's what we want to do to be a blessing to you. If you are those that are partnering with us this month, those that are partnering at $85 or more, we're going to send you Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's book, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those that are sowing $250 or more, we're also including Brother Hagin's book, The Triumphant Church. And of course, for those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're going to be including with that the Net Bible Study Bible, 60,000 translators' notes. Uh, and this is, this is awesome, one of my favorites. If you want to receive any of these after you've sown, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, and uh, you can fill out the form. We know where to send it. Let us know how you sowed your seed so that we can match it to your account. We know who you are. And uh, it's been already an amazing year. Luenda, I'm not sure off the top of my head of the exact number of salvations, but can I tell you, we've been seeing people come to Jesus like we never have. Now, you've heard this and you watched the, um, at the beginning of the broadcast, we've been playing the three-week revival recap. I mean, it's wild. Like, like in uh, Michigan, we ran out of salvation cards. We ran out of sal salvation cards, and in four days, we saw well over 100 people come to Christ um, in just those four days in a church service. So, I mean, it, it's, it's been the, the, the hunger for God to see God moving. It's been amazing this year and it's only going to continue. It's only going to continue. But here's what blows my mind that the Lord does for his, his body. He lets us all be a part of the work that's being done. It's not just me, those that stand with us, you share in that same reward in heaven for being a part of this ministry. And I thank God for you. And um, I cannot wait to see what's getting ready to happen the rest of this year. We're getting ready to hit another three weeks of revival. 
So coming up uh, this Saturday, Carolyn is speaking to start the week um, in Crawfordsville, Indiana at Legacy Church. It's the Flourish Conference. Ladies, if you're going to be a part of this, please register either at LegacyChurchCrawfordsville.com or if you go to our website and go to the schedule page, <clears throat> uh, you can click the link, go to the registration page. That's Saturday at 3 p.m. And then starting Sunday, we are, at, we are with Pastor Sam and Just Fitch at Legacy Church, Sunday through Wednesday. On Thursday night, we're going to be speaking one night only at Faith Church in Danville, Kentucky. And then we start on Sunday in Bardstown, Kentucky. Uh, it's going to be a great week. And then after that, our very first tent meeting of the year takes place in Johnson City, Tennessee. We'd love to see you at any of these meetings. If you'd like to check out where we're going to be and if we're near you, go to MiracleWord.com and click the schedule page. We love to see you in person at these revivals. I love you guys a lot. Have a wonderful day. I'll be back with you again in the morning. We're going to complete this series and uh, it's going to be great. I'll talk to you very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.